You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. Logan, happy free agency tampering slash Deron Payne <laughs> signed a contract day. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I'm excited for Deron. Anytime anybody gets like that, you know, like that that kind of money, that kind of bag is, is so cool because you just know like it's generationally changing. And I think that's, all, that's kind of what you're, I don't want to say that's what you're doing this for, but it's always that you just kind of you did it, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how he does going into next year and whether he can keep that motivation. I always find that really fascinating just from like a personal standpoint is like when these guys get these huge contracts, like what's the thing that keeps them ticking and keeps them going. But super happy for him and super happy for the team because like, quite frankly, the deal looks like it's pretty good for both sides. And we'll talk about that more in a minute, but just super pumped for him. And um, yeah, man, I think he's coming in today to sign the contract, which is pretty cool. So. Yeah, the motivation piece is, is definitely interesting, but it's one where I feel like a lot of guys are now like, okay, I got to prove I'm worth that. Mm, interesting. Um, you know, obviously some guys are like, oh, I got it. All right, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Yeah. Um, and they don't they do not do as much. But, you know, Payne, Alabama guy, like, you know, they're, they're just bred differently down there in terms of the, the competitive nature that Saban instills in those guys coming out and how you have to be. Um, because, like, if you go to Alabama and you don't bust your butt, you're not going to get on the field. And so that just becomes second nature, I think, on some level. Obviously, all that hard work pays off last year in the contract year for Payne. Can he keep that going? And 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 I, I doubt he ever has 11 and a half sacks again. That's just a monster number. But something that I think is really interesting is like his pressure rate was the same exact that it was the year prior. He's been 9.6% right. pressure rate two years in a row. So there's a consistency in terms of performance now just you know the result was there last year in a different way for whatever reason and obviously you know the pairing with Allen is phenomenal this is clearly something Ron Rivera wanted to do and you know I mentioned this a million times before and now that this is done I don't really have to mention it again so might as well get one last play but Ron Rivera said at some point during the year when asked about this I'm not making the same mistake I made in Carolina yeah I you know the Star Latula Lake K1 short uh duo was kind of the center of that defense obviously they had luke keekley behind which was nice uh but that those two guys made a huge difference and i let one of them walk and it was a mistake and i'm not doing it again and there are a lot of times with rivera where he tells you exactly what he's thinking and nobody believes him yeah and this is another scenario where one the business as usual piece people didn't believe him he, he was not lying 
and we can get into that and why some of the money mechanics people freaked out about unnecessarily. But two, this was something he wanted to do. He thinks it makes the football team better. We can get into whether or not he's right, yeah. but this is not really that surprising to me because he told us out loud into microphones as many times as someone would ask him that this is something he prioritized. <clears throat> yeah, that's one of the things I'm not overly surprised by this. I think there's a lot of people like, oh my gosh, I can't. I'm, I'm surprised they got the deal done. I, you know, I kind of was thinking Payne wanted sure. to be, you know, he did. He got what he wanted out of it, but, um, yeah, he, he was very honest about his thoughts on this, and you know, I don't know if I. 100% agree with him, you know, I, but I do think that it's important to acknowledge that the defensive tackle position specifically is becoming more and more valuable because they're not developing those athletes in college the way they used to. So like even in this year's draft, like there's not that many good interior players. Uh, I know obviously one of the best players in the draft this year is Jalen Carter, but outside of him, it's like, good luck. You got some guys that are green around the ears that got to develop a little bit. And it's nice to have that commodity already in the building. So um, I think you're going to see more and more of this. You know, we talked a little bit off the off air about how the Giants are going to have to resign Dexter Lawrence, Simmons in Tennessee. Those guys are all looking at similar contract structures and probably will get more now that Deron signed his first. But I, I think this is this is good process. Ultimately, like, do you agree? Like, you know, you drafted Big Phil last year. You know, like you need that guy in the roster. Ridgeway's developing. Could you get away with not having him? Yes, but I think that that interior rusher, that interior presence is something that's becoming more and more valuable. And schematically, it makes sense as to why, right? You know, when you've got an edge rusher, you can kind of chip, you can game plan, you can, you know, allocate double teams and resources there. And it's just harder to do that inside. It's harder to run away from a dominant defensive player. And Aaron Donald has kind of made that exhibit A. And I also think I'm glad you pointed out the pressure rate of 9.6. Um, you know, that's kind of one of the lower pressure rates of the top kind of guys. Um, so, and I think he'll probably normalize back to kind of whatever his production was last year, but I think he does more than just sack the quarterback. And I think that's important to acknowledge as well in terms of creating pressure in the run game tackles for loss. He's very disruptive. He allocates double team resources, <clears throat> excuse me. So just wanted to call attention to that. Yeah. And well, and the thing is like, you can't run away from two of them, right? Right. You can run away from Duran, but then you're running into John, you can run away from John then you're running into Duran. And that's, that's kind of the magic of this. And then if you want to go to the edges, obviously they've got really good players out there, uh, potentially great players as well uh, on the edge. So I think that's that's definitely a huge part of this. In terms of the process of signing, I, my, my big surprise is they got it done now. Yeah. Um, you know, typically these types of things, when guys are on the tag, like they don't get done before free agency. They get done at the July deadline because deadline spur actions and everyone doesn't really feel the need to do anything before that. They, it's just like, Hey, like I'm going to, I'm going to hold out for every last dollar I can get and see if you flinch and then eventually be like, okay, it's July 15th or whatever the date is this year. And it, that's your final offer. Clearly. Okay. I'll sign it. What I think the commanders may have learned from, I mean, they're two different situations, but also it's, it's similar. Like, I think they learned a little bit from the Terry thing last year. Mm. I think they learned one, like how stressful the storyline can be. But I think even more importantly, that the price only goes up. Waiting does not help you. Like, you're not, you're not going to bring someone down on price uh, on a long-term deal, especially when they have good leverage. Like, Terry was just like, fine, like, I'll play out my deal and I'll be a free agent next year. Like, what are you going to do? Um, and, and with Duran, they actually had less because at least Terry, like they tore up his rookie deal and he got more money last year than he was going to get, uh, significantly for Duran, he was going to get 
18 million this year. And like, why would he come down off of that sure. unless you give him a reason to do so? And I think what they learn with Terry is like when AJ Brown got done and, and some of the other receiver deals that got done is the price just goes up. Yeah. And so with Duran, especially in this market, like you said, with Simmons coming, with Lawrence coming, with Chris Jones probably redoing yeah. his deal, like all that was going to happen was the price was going to go up. So if we can get the deal done now and tell Duran, like, hey, man, it may only be for a couple of weeks, but you get to say you're the highest paid defensive tackle ever not named Aaron Donald. That's that's appealing to Duran Payne and his camp. So they get it done. Uh, it it's finalized. And by the way, the, the contract details are very, very team friendly. Uh, and like Duran's still getting paid, like right. by no means did Duran lose this negotiation, but just the way that structures work in the NFL and the way cap hits work and stuff like that, like they'll probably restructure this after two, yeah. um, and, and, and figure out those last two years because having him count 27 and 29 against the cap in years three and four just seems untenable, but also there's a chance the cap makes a huge jump in two sure. years in some of the media rights deals. So like who cares, but it's only 10 this year, Yeah, 10 yeah. on the terms of the cap hit. So now they have a ton of cap room to play with and they don't really have a lot of big ticket items to spend on. Like they are in good shape. They've done a good job financially managing this team. Yeah, well, I'm so surprised because when you look at the deal, you're almost like that can't be right. They can't be that they got this structure because you're right. It is extremely team friendly. And I, I do agree. The last two years are probably kind of funny money. They're they're I don't want to say they're, they're they're not real years. So the way I this is just kind of rule of thumb when I'm talking about contract structure, unless the money's guaranteed, it's funny money. So, you know, he's got 60 million guaranteed, which is outstanding. That's an awesome number for him. But those last two years are not guaranteed. And so the, the team has some flexibility to kind of say, hey, we can put this into a signing bonus, decrease your total salary. We can bump it out, give you another extension on the year, and they can just move that money around in a way that's really advantageous for them. So great job by them. And I, like you said, they do have a lot of cap room. I think they have $25 million in cap space, which is a big deal. Like when you got to reset, they, curr they currently have 16 from 16. the number I'm looking okay, at, but fine. it's also very easy for them to create more. You restructure John Allen, you're at 25 instantly. Yeah. So I just think like, that's, that's a good spot to be in, right? Cause you got to sign a linebacker. You're probably going to sign a free agent, offensive lineman, maybe guard, um, and those are all very doable with that kind of cap money. And I think part of it is also you've got a young quarterback, so you have a little bit more flexibility to spend on luxury items. And I think having two elite defensive tackles is somewhat of a luxury item. So um, all this stuff, I think, is bodes very well for the team. And like you said, man, like this is about as good as it could have gotten for, I think, for both parties and like very rarely – do you say that? I'm sure there's some people that are going to be like, oh, you know, Duran should have asked for more money or whatever it is. But I, I just I'm happy for the team. I'm happy for Duran. And I think it allows you to kind of build out um, and, and make something pretty special. You know, we talked about maybe getting Cam Curl an extension like that's possible now. That's feasible now, um, which which is something that I wasn't sure would be possible, uh, you know, when when Duran started his contract extension talks. No doubt. So four for 90 is like the big number that certainly his agent leaked to Adam Schefter because that's the biggest number possible. Uh, he's $28 million signing bonus, uh, average annual value, 22.5, 55 mil guaranteed 55. at signing total guarantees 59. Okay. So Duran, when we say it's team friendly, it's pure structure based. Duran right. Payne got paid, right? Like he got his money. 
and that's great for him. He deserves it. Um, we'll get more into uh, kind of where the team goes from here in a second, and especially when it comes to Chase and Montez. But Logan, I, there's one thing I got to say first, and that is another like, hey, man, when people tell you stuff, sometimes it's worth believing them. Ron kept saying this was business as usual. And I know the ownership situation is holding on. And I know that Dan Snyder is, quote unquote, cash poor. Um, he's also about to have about $5 billion in cash. <laughs> so he's not going to be cash poor for very much longer. Right. So that's one thing to understand. Two, uh, there's just people were like starting to get into the escrow. And like this is stuff that I looked at because I didn't know the details either. So like this is I'm, I'm not like criticizing this is like on a on a, you know, holier than thou soapbox. But I, I, as I dove into things, I learned things. But the escrow stuff where, like, if you have to put all this guaranteed money in escrow, like, apparently there's a January 31st deadline. We're already past that. So, like, the money that it, like, Dan obviously had to front whatever the signing bonus money and whatever literal instant money happens uh, for Duran Payne that he gets immediately when he signs the contract this morning right now. That money is Deron Payne's immediately, and thus it will come from Dan Snyder because he is the current owner of the team. But comes from Dan Snyder is in air quotes here. Um, and I think that's partially what you ha people have to understand. that The rest of the money that that goes into escrow, that doesn't happen until next January, so it'll be the new owner. Fine, whatever. The way the commanders run their business as is, like most NFL teams, frankly, it's as if it's a business. Like, they get money in, they have a, a budget sheet that ultimately Jason Wright is the team president is responsible for. And Ron Rivera is on some level responsible for with his front office in terms of the football portions of that. And uh, that money is very specifically allocated for players. So there's a set of that money that's specifically allocated for players uh, because there's both a salary cap and a salary floor and their budget, so to speak, is determined much more by that than the, the owner's financial situation. Like they run it as a self-contained business that's trying to make money because most NFL teams, unlike NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball teams that try are trying to mitigate losses in the name of winning, NFL teams actually most of them make money. Now, can a Stan Kroenke or whoever or the Waltons come in and be like, "Yeah, we're just gonna blow past all that. Don't worry, we'll take the loss because we think it's worth it." Um, we want to make a big change, whatever. Absolutely. And so I'm not saying ownership and money and ownership money don't matter at all in the NFL, but most teams are operating kind of in a self-contained bubble in terms of finances outside of what the owner is doing. And so the idea that Dan's cash poor nature, uh, and, and cash poor reality even, and the billion dollars in debt he allegedly owes and all that stuff was going to affect free agency is just not true. And so I am kind of like, I'm glad this got done to prove that point. And I think people need to realize that the decisions being made about say Lamar Jackson are football decisions, not budget decisions. It's not because they can't afford Lamar Jackson in cash. It's because they don't want to pay Lamar Jackson what Lamar Jackson wants and so and give up the draft picks so they're not pursuing him. This is a Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew-driven ship on these decisions, not a Dan Snyder's bank account-driven decisions on all of these football types of things. Yeah, I have nothing to add on that. You know, you I would defer to you on that because you've looked into it. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like that's been overblown a little bit. So 
I would agree, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and my my question to people who don't believe me would be, what move are they making that they're not making in your mind because of cash? If it's and, if it's Lamar Jackson thing, then I think that that I think because everyone keeps asking me like, why not go for Lamar? And I understand like Lamar would yeah. be an outstanding piece here, but Lamar's contract situation or what he's asking for is not tenable for teams. Like that's why people are not interested in him. And I and like people say, oh well, it's there's like racial undertones, there's collusion, there's all this stuff going on. And I just look at it from like a pure football standpoint, totally objective, is if he wants five years fully guaranteed with his play style, like it just limits what you can do from a roster construction standpoint and you're giving up two first round draft picks. So for this team, I just think that's not, not a tenable solution. You know, like it just, it's too much and there's too much risk associated with it. And I think, I think that's something that fans for whatever reason, don't understand. And I understand, like, Lamar's an excellent football player. Lamar's awesome. But he's not... But you're not You're not just adding Lamar. Yeah. Like, you're adding Lamar and subtracting Duran and Cam Curl. Correct. And potentially other guys. And, like, you need... And, like, as much as I want to say that Lamar elevates a team, because I think he does, how much does he elevate it? And the more you see free agent quarterbacks hit new teams, you realize that that elevation is not as much as you think without, you know, without including, without including outliers like Tom Brady. Like, you know, look at Russell Wilson, look at, you know, any other kind of free agent move. It doesn't usually elevate the team that the way that you thought, especially in the immediate future. Right. Um, so I just I just wanted to point and, and you got to build an offense around him in a way that you don't have to do with most other quarterbacks. So there's a lot of factors with Lamar. Um, you know, I hope he gets it done. I also heard that, you know, from multiple sources that the way he's negotiating is not even really a negotiation because he doesn't have his own agent. He's kind of, he's, his demands are unreasonable because he doesn't have any context for the deal because he doesn't have an agent who's kind of working these back channels for him. So I think that's another thing that makes it very, very unusual is that there's no give and take. It's not like, oh, we're going to put out a number and we're going to put some different, um, you know, like much like Duran's deal. That's a perfect example. This is a very team friendly deal because of how they were able to structure it. You could do something similar with Lamar's deal if he was open to it. But if he if he is full stop not willing to negotiate that, then you lose some of your flexibility as a front office to get that done. Right. And like for instance, Carolina. Like like RG was on Twitter this weekend being like, Oh my God, they, you know, how could they not go after Lamar? They make all this trade for number one pick, you know, whatever. And it's like Carolina looked at their roster and said, We're not good enough to win a championship Correct. if we add Lamar Jackson. And if you add like you better be a quarterback away. And that's where like does it make sense for Atlanta to pursue a Lamar Jackson? Yes. But are they realistically a quarterback away? Probably not. Yeah. Carolina, certainly not a quarterback away. I know some folks down there think that they're pretty, they're a lot closer than maybe folks on the outside do because their defense is pretty good. But like their skill positions aren't good enough. They're not they're not Lamar Jackson away from a championship if they keep DJ Moore. So why would you do that? Especially and that's the away same thing here. Like, picks. Right. You're not a quarterback away. And if you are, you should pursue Lamar Jackson because he's a championship level quarterback. He's that yeah. good. The problem is because you have to be a quarterback and basically nothing else away because you're giving up so much resources. It's just a hard situation for team to get into because it's not just signing a guy to that much money. It's that plus the two first round picks. But back to, to Washington, point being, that is a football decision. That is a team building decision. That is not a financial like oh my god we're a cash-strapped franchise decision and the sure. same is true like they're not pursue going to pursue orlando brown because 
they can't afford Orlando, Orlando Brown. They're not pursuing Orlando Brown because it doesn't make sense for them to spend their cap space on a left tackle when they have a decent enough one in house. So that, like those are the types of decisions that are being made, not cash based ones. Yes, they could spend decently on a guard, but that's just less expensive. Right tackle, less expensive. Linebacker, less expensive. So there's just not a premium cost heavy position that they need, which is great. Um, but that's again, a football thing, not anything else. Well, and also just kind of like, just to kind of put a little bit more football analysis on that. Like when you are building an offensive line, obviously there's this knee jerk reaction to go out and get the best free agents possible, but you also got to find people that fit what you do financially. And then like the thing at PFF, which I think is a really good insight is, you know, you don't want to be, necessarily the best offensive line you want five dudes who are pretty average that elevate each other right and so where do you get that you get that kind of in like the second wave of free agency and it's interesting when you watch some of these guys that are considered like second tier free agents like they're starting caliber players and if they're in the right system in the right scheme like they are good starting caliber players and they could also be bad starting caliber players but understanding that evaluation in free agency is extremely important and i think you know, fans get this get this notion in the draft and in free agency. Oh, I know this name. We need to get this guy. Just because you haven't heard of a guy doesn't mean that they're not good at football and doesn't mean that they're not a good fit for the commanders. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. Played 10 years in the NFL at tight end. You're watching on the video. That was hilarious because I said, this is Logan Paulson. And Logan went down to pick something yep. up off the ground and completely disappeared out of his video. Uh, I am Craig Hoffman. I am present. I am here in my little square on the box. Uh, you can watch full episodes, youtube.com slash at 1067. The fan, you can listen to me every weekday, three to six on the team 980. All right, Logan, the obvious next big question for this team is what for the other two guys? So Alan, check signed 18 months ago although he doesn't have any guaranteed money from what i understand left on his deal oh, um, which is interesting so like next year if all of a sudden he starts to decline and they want to move off of allen they could i do i think that's going to happen absolutely not but financially speaking they could um then you got sweat who is entering the final year of his deal 
And then you have Chase, who technically is also entering the final year of his deal, unless they were to pick up his fifth-year option. So, uh, do I have that right, or has he got one more I think, it's, I think you're right. I think he's a year behind Montez, right? I think this is it. Yeah, because this is, this is year four. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, with that said, uh, what? let's start off with what you think they should do. Not, not a prediction, but right. like you're – you're all of a sudden in the position that everyone wants you in and somewhere working in the organization. Actually, no, they want you as, or wanted you as offensive coordinator. <laughs> How happy are you that Eric Bieniemy got named offensive I'm coordinator? pretty happy about it. That you don't have to be told that you should be the offensive coordinator anymore. I'm pretty happy so now, he's now an everyone's awesome gonna guy, want Logan. Yeah. yeah, now now everyone wants Logan in the front office. Uh, so you're, you're running it. Yeah. You're in charge. What are you doing with Sweat? What are you doing with Chase Young? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk with the financial people and really make sure, <clears throat> just see what that contract structure for Montez would look like. And I think that's the most important thing because we thought this pain thing was not tenable. But obviously, like, you can work financial magic, right? That's why, like, New Orleans every year, they're, you know, whatever they are over the cap, $100 million, whatever crazy number it is, and they're always able to kind of move money around and make it work. So that's the first person I'm going to talk to. Right. And to kind of see what needs to happen, see kind of the numbers we're talking about, and then look at the rest of the roster, guys like Cam, and see where we're at with that. I will say, like, my first inclination is to always trade away guys when you're still on the roster. So, like, Montez, like, to me, he's a perfect trade candidate. Like, that does not mean I don't like Montez. I think Montez is excellent, right? I think he's a really good football player, but I think he has value, and I want to make sure I recoup that value if I cannot financially retain him. So if I can't do that, I'm going to trade him. And I think this is a really good year, you know, in the draft to kind of draft maybe an heir apparent or someone who can kind of hold the line, toe the line. And you've shown how you want to build this team. And so one of the things I want to talk about is you mentioned you can't run away from two interior guys. And the answer is you can usually, right? You can attack the perimeter. And one of the things they've done here with James Smith-Williams, with Casey Tuhill, with F.A. Obata, with Sweat and Chase is they set really good edges to this defense. And so, Ken, is that a skill set that requires a lot of money to find? It is a skill, but it's not like this premium pass rusher skill, right? And the way they're, they're structuring this defensive line is, hey, rushers, edge rushers, you are supplementing the interior guys, right? You're building off of their rush. So you really just need a guy who's going to be very, very solid on the edge, a very good role player. And I think that is easier to find than people think. Now, is it easy? No. But is it easier than finding TJ Watt? Absolutely. So I do think you've kind of shown the direction you want to take this defensive line. You want good players. Um, but do you need, you know, four guys making $20 million on the defensive line? Probably not. So I would, I would definitely kind of kick the tires on the Montez thing. I think he is a, a very good value add. He's been very productive for this team. And I would probably kick the tires on him before I kick the tires on Chase in terms of an extension, in terms of finding ways to get him money. Um, just because I think there's a lot of risk associated with Chase. Not that Chase can't be good, not that Chase won't be good, but he's got the injury history. He's got kind of lackluster production the last couple of years. So I think that's kind of the way I would frame that. And I know that's not a very good answer, but I think there's information that we don't necessarily have access to that would inform this decision at a higher level. But I like Montez. I, I like what he's doing. I think he's a great value add, but can financially we keep him? That's something only in the building they know with those accountants and financial advisors. Um, and then if I can't keep him, I'm going to explore trade options. And that, that probably is happening sooner rather than later. Yeah. I think I would explore trading Chase. Um, mm -hmm. I think that he 
potentially, I don't know. I just clicked on spot tracks, like market value yeah. uh, button, which they do. They do a calculation. I'm not exactly sure how they do it, but I mean, part of it, the biggest factor is like, how do you compare to other players like you? What did they get at a similar age when they signed their contracts? And so you click on Montez and his market value, 16, six average annual salary chase. They've got it 18, two. If that's how those two are seen around the league, and I think I can get a first round pick for Chase Young, I might just I might just do it. Yeah. I mean, we we proved last year we can win without that guy. Um, not to say that Chase didn't come back and show some things and that that special upside isn't really valuable, but and and, and isn't potentially great. And do you want to be the team that trades a guy who could wind up in the Hall of Fame? Not really, not ideal. Uh, but that's the kind of upside Chase Young has. That said, if you can pay Montez at a lower number, get a lot of production, and then you know draft the next guy or whatever, I would I would certainly consider it. Yeah. And, and the thing that I think they need to do that they've been bad at is doing this Belichick style. You do it one year too soon, not one year too late. Because part of the risk of one year too late is you don't actually get to do anything. You get a third round pick that's really a fourth in terms of a compensatory pick a la Brandon Sheriff. Sure. It's just bad roster management. And this is my whole NBA thing where at the, in the NBA, they trade expiring contracts all the time uh, because the idea of letting a guy get to free agency is like the worst thing you could do. Um, by the way, of course, that's what the Wizards are doing potentially with Kyle Kuzma and Chris Ops for Zingas. But oh, this is the Take Command podcast where we talk about the commanders. Um, the... So, so I think that one, depending on how your free agency period goes and how, if, how much movement you want to do, like, and if Chase Rurier retires, do you want to restructure John Allen? Like, do you want to restructure Leno? Like you could get sweat done this off season if you sure. really wanted to. Um, and I do wonder if some of the expediency in getting things done with pain That's is interesting. to say like, That's interesting. Hey, yeah. let's. Let's use the next between now and training camp. And they don't even have to do it then. Like they could do it all the way into the season. There is some deadline eventually, but um, they could work into, into the season on a, an extension for sweat. So they've got time on, as opposed to pain who the, the deadline was July because of the, there's a tag deadline. They've got time, but you know, depending on what you do, depending on how the draft goes, you know, if, if you feel like you have a guy who can replace chase, like, I think it's worth kicking the tires on. Absolutely. Um, I agree. And so I, getting the maximum value out of these guys is not ultimately going to be paying all four of them. It's just not, just not good roster construction. I know that there's a lot of fans now are looking at this pain deal and going like, wow, the way they structured it, like they could, we don't need to talk about this. They could keep all four. They could. Right, but that's that's resources you, not allocated somewhere else. Yeah, I don't think you want to do that. And obviously, D line is a, is a position of like premium value in the NFL. But I think think about corner, like defensive back specifically. Like this league is going; it's such a pass happy group, and this defense runs when that secondary is clicking. Like that's when the defense is really at its best, right? Everyone talks about the defensive line, but the secondary, especially like when they were on their winning streak, were playing f phenomenal football, right? So. Can you add another piece there? Like, that's the problem is like, yes, you could put all your chips in on defensive line. But as much as I like Montez, he's not a a true elite difference maker as a pass rusher. Is he good? Right. Yes. But he's not going to be like a 15 sack guy. Like, I just don't see that in his in his thing. Right. Is he excellent against the run? Yes. Does he work well with Deron and John? Yes. 
Does he get excellent hustle and finish sacks? Yes. Do I love him as a football player? Yes. The problem is he's not going to be elite. So if you can kind of lock him in in that like 14 to $16 million area, I think that's outstanding. And then again, that would be a very team-friendly deal. And I think that works. And then it still allows you to kind of say, we can build in secondary, we can do whatever we need to do. We can add an offensive lineman. We can, you know, work on whatever we need to work on. But I just think like that's to, to extend both of them, I think is, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense to me, um, especially given, like, I, I hate to say this because like, I don't like talking about people's money, but especially given Chase's kind of lackluster production over the last couple of years, like it's just, it, the risk there is not great. Like Duran has been ascending, Sweat has been ascending and Chase has kind of stayed in the same vein same same right river or whatever he hasn't had the chance to ascend right, yeah, because not, he's been hurt yeah and again um, that's not his fault but it is something to consider when talking about extending him right the only way i would consider extending chase is i mean well obviously i don't think extending chase is on the table now right we're sweat it's it's on the table now to yeah. me chase seems like too big of a risk the and it doesn't seem like he would take some super team friendly deal. Like if Chase is like, Hey man, I just want to get paid. Like my knee scares me. Give me 16. I'm willing to risk it. And it's kind of like the Steph Curry contract back in the day. Mm. The Warriors signed Steph Curry to what is the best contract in NBA history because Steph's ankles were a disaster. He kept hurting them and they got him on like a $12 million a year deal. It was, it was four for 44. Yeah. Um, I think was actually the, the number. And they had the MVP of the league on a, bizarro friendly contract uh for four years and if chase is like i'm willing to take that risk because like i want the money i want it i want some guaranteed money i want to get to my second contract then i think you have to consider it chase young doesn't seem like that type of guy chase young is going to bet on himself he's going to come out he's going to try to ball out this year and then he's going to try to get one of the richest deep and con or edge contracts in the history of the league next offseason sure. and that's you know, if I was advising Chase, that's what I would also tell Chase to do. So that's yeah. not a shot at Chase. Like, that's absolutely what he should do. Um, the question is, is there a team that is willing to take on that risk and be like, hey, we'll be the incumbent when that comes around and we'll be able to franchise tag him and, and have that exclusivity and we'll give you a first round pick for that in return. And if yeah. that's the case, like, I think I'd probably take that. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, again, it's it's risk versus reward. That's all you're doing here, right? And Right now, I do think there is a level of risk associated with Chase that a lot of people don't want to acknowledge. And I think there is value there because, again, I think back to my evaluation of him coming out, and he was one of the best pass rushers off the edge in college football that I had ever seen. He was fantastic. And so the fact that teams still have that in their mind. So I do think there's going to be a lot of value there. And so, again, yeah. this is just – we could talk in circles about this all day, but it's just – what is the risk associated with the player? What is the financial probability of getting them at a team-friendly number? And then can we make that work? And it, right now, it seems like that is more likely for Montez as opposed to Chase. Right. So the, the one thing I'll just add real quick, uh, and hopefully this isn't more just going in circles, but an actual new piece of thing or new piece of information is I, I feel like some people are probably screaming at whatever device they're listening or watching right now going like, Craig, aren't you the guy that was like, Chase actually was pretty good. Like people should be encouraged about Chase, yeah. you know, yada, yada. It's like, yes. So what changed? What changed is they signed to Ron Payne. Yeah. They made their decision that they are not going to invest in both edge guys. They're going to invest in the middle. Yeah. That's where they put the money. So one of these edge guys has got to go to continue good roster management. 
And so I think that's I, a great that's, point. That's what's changed to me is like, I still think Chase Young can be a very, very good football player, but you've got, you can't just play this out with, with these guys and consider it prudent roster management. That said, one thing to consider is that Ron Rivera has got to win now. Yep. Ron Rivera can, if Ron wins this year and he's here next year, he's going to be on an extension. So at that point, he can afford to do a little bit more long-term planning and, and maybe do some, you know, work a trade or something next off season. Ron probably wants to keep both these guys right now if he thinks they can help. Like a, Chase is going to help more this year than a first-round pick, likely. So I think that is something to consider as well. Is like they're the one situation where ownership is affecting the football decisions is they've got a coach who happens to be the president of football operations who knows he's got to win right now. And that is a result of the ownership situation uh, being unresolved and ultimately a new owner taking a hard look at Rivera as soon as he gets here and this season kind of being all important. So I, I think that's important to keep in mind over top of all of this. Yeah, I agree. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Last couple of things here. Let's try to, I got four questions on Twitter. Let's see if we can get through all four relatively quickly okay. uh, here to wrap up the podcast. Uh, first one, uh, we kind of actually just answered. So we're already, we're already one for one. Uh, Tim asked if forced to choose between sweat and young, which would you pick uh, now, including time of control? Would you attempt to trade one or both? To summarize our answers, I think we both take Montez and that's mostly financial. Yeah, it's just it's less risky at the moment. Like he's been yeah. playing better, he's been playing more consistent, and I think and I think you can get him at a better number, quite frankly. And I think that's yeah. the motivation there. And yes, we would look to trade the other one in this case, Chase. All right, K Max Sports asks tangentially related to Payne's new contract. I love this question because this will let you talk about Payne as well. But what's your best guess for what Fedarian Mathis's role looks like as he comes back? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really compelling. I think, um, you know, obviously, let's talk about pain for a second. Like, when you watch him, like, I had to make a highlight because I'm doing an interview with him today, and we're going to, like, break down his some plays from last year. He's He played really, really well last year, really well. And him and John together, 
are just it's it's something special to see to having two guys like that on the team together is fantastic and i do think that Payne is tremendously athletic i think that um he get he's a little more twitched up than john and i think he's got a little bit more upside which is an exciting kind of scary thing to say and i remember having a conversation with someone a couple of years ago and they're like if you want to extend one of them it's got to be Payne because of the upside and you're starting to see shades of that at the moment now with regards to Big Phil, I think um, you see let, – let's take uh, John Ridgway first. John Ridgway, in his role as the true nose last year, was tremendously valuable for this team. Maybe the most valuable off-season acquisition or in-season acquisition for this team because it bumped John and Payne to three technique as opposed to having Payne play nose. Because I don't care who you are, it's very, very hard unless you're Dexter Lawrence to be productive playing true nose. And Dexter Lawrence is a unicorn in that way. Even Vita Vea has started to slow down in terms of his production playing true nose. It's just a tough position to play. And when you talk to guys like Kedrick Golston, who played true nose, like he'll walk you through the combinations. And the combinations there are so multiple that it's you need someone who's very, very skilled. So that's where that kind of addition comes in. I think Phil, Big Phil, is has more athletic upside playing true nose than John, but I also think having all three, all four of those guys kind of on deck is going to be very valuable because I do think Phil does have some upside as a pass rusher that like John does not have. So I think you know it'll be interesting to see him come on. Just for clarity, you mean John Ridgeway, Ridgeway. when you say that, yes. not John yep. Allen, correct? Just so and just so folks are not confused, freaking out, right? And so <clears throat> so I do I think that that kind of ecosystem will be really compelling if everyone can get healthy and if everyone can develop the way they they hope that they can develop but I think having that young guy to play nose to be that rotational piece that has a little bit more pass rush juice than Ridgeway is is valuable right because like if you look around at defensive lines in the NFL it's not two guys and then bust it's four guys on the interior it's four guys on the edge they really it's like a hockey rotation of guys so the better the quality of depth you have there the better, more productive your defensive line is. Like I always harken back, Philadelphia is the prime example. They have eight guys who are kind of, I don't want to say average because they're all pretty good, but they're all pretty good. And because all of them work together, they have elite production of the number one defensive line in the NFL with guys like Brandon Graham, who's in year 14, and Fletcher Cox, who's in year 12. You know what I'm saying? They have, it yeah. just elevates. By the, the way, group. what a coup for them that Graham resigned. Yeah. Jesus. Crazy. So, so, th- so there's that. Right. And I think when you look at Seattle, when they were winning Super Bowls, having good depth along the defensive line is invaluable. And now you've got Big Phil locked in on a rookie deal for a couple of years. Ridgeway, I know he's coming off the peck, but he should be fine for next year um, for a couple of years. And you've got decent depth players in James and Casey. Now, I do think you still need that F.A. Obata kind of inside outside pass rush juice guy. But when you look at that from a thousand foot view, you say, that's a very solid group. Now, think just take Big Phil out of there, right? Let's say if Big Phil wasn't there, you'd be like, man, we need another interior defensive player. So having that there, hopefully everyone gets healthy. On paper, I'm really excited about that. But obviously, they're two and two of those interior guys are coming off injury. So that's something also important to keep in mind. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Twelfth man. Uh, any new observations on other re-signings and the free agent priorities slash timing? Not expecting too much Washington activity on free agents, but I do hope they target and get their veteran quarterback as soon as possible. Draft is deep in a lot of needed positions, corner, O-line, tight end, running back, but not quite as deep at linebacker. So kind of the the what's next question basically is is what we're after here. Yeah, I mean, as much as people don't want to say that they're going to make a move in free agency along offensive line or cornerback, I would expect them to kind of 
start having some conversations with those guys. This offensive line class, specifically guard, outside of the top three is pretty deep. I'd say there's probably five guys that, given the right situation, could fill a need if they don't re-sign with their current teams. So um, just something to keep an eye on there, like them kicking the tires on some guards. I know they've been making a lot of noise at the draft and with their 30-for-30 visits along the offensive line, which makes sense part of me is a little concerned that it's like a smoke screen. You know what I mean? They're trying, they're trying to put something up to see if someone will trade up with them. But um, yeah, I definitely think they'll address, they'll address something in free agency along the offensive line. So keep your eyes on that. And then whatever they don't address, whether it's guard or tackle, keep an eye on them to address that in the draft and along, along with center. Cause I think there are some very, very talented centers in the draft this year. So um, that's kind of my thought on that. And then obviously They'll definitely take a look at free agent cornerbacks, which I don't, I haven't looked at yet, but I don't think it's from what I've heard. It's not a very deep group. So again, very deep in the draft, which is good for Washington, but they, they will, they will try in my estimation to address a lot of these perceived needs in free agency and then go into the draft with the ability to draft best player available. It's kind of my thought on that. So, it seems like there's a lot of smoke on the Taylor Heineke thing right now. What do you mean? Um, like yeah. that, like a lot of the reporters are like, it seems like it's likely he'll resign. Yeah, good. So, um, it seems like Heineke's the the favorite. I think what what the only potential hiccup there is if a team like Arizona comes in and is willing to just be like, we're gonna pay you more than them. And by the way, you're probably going to get some starts while we wait for Kyler to get back. Sure. And so there it's kind of up to Taylor to go out, seek opportunity, see what the market is. And if, unless one of those teams like an Arizona who has a better opportunity and is willing to pay for it comes through, they're just going to go back to Heineke and and resign because they know they can get him relatively cheap. They know he's got a great relationship with Sam. They know that he can handle the backup role and stay ready to start. And he's not going to be bitter about, you know, how, because they've got a, he under, like he understands the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not, there's no explaining to do. Um, now that doesn't mean that they're not going to be like, Hey man, great opportunity. Go, go sign somewhere else. Like we're not, we're not going to just, they're not going to bid against themselves. But they, there seems to be like that's that's going to get done fairly quickly um, in terms of the what's next. I think the thing with O line is like they need three positions. They need both guards and center. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or I mean, or right tackle, guard, left guard, and center. And I think they need not Sam Cosby center and guard. They yeah, well, I think they you know when you listen to John Kime on his podcast, like he's alluding to the fact that maybe you know they maybe they don't think that's as big a need as they thought it was before. But I think if if from Logan's perspective, you yes. need three positions in my opinion. yeah. This is not John Kime's podcast. Yeah. This is ours. You need three, Damn and and, I, and the reason I cite John is because he's he's dialed in now. He's, he's talking so to people. Him. He's and yeah. so that's definitely in the ether over there. But if I'm the team, I'm saying okay. I need to draft a center for sure. I need to find a center for agency draft draft seems very good because there's a lot of good centers. I need to find a guard. Now is that Chris Paul? Is that Norwell staying? I'd be okay with that. If you think Chris Paul is going to develop and Norwell can be your backup. That sounds like a good opportunity there. And then can you draft a tackle? Cause I do think that this team has been pretty good at finding converts to guard Chris Paul, Sadiq Charles, Wes Schweitzer, he played tackle in Atlanta before he moved to guard, right? Like kind of those types of body types. But can you They're find... They're bad at finding a guy who can stay at tackle. Yes. Can you find a tackle? And so when everyone's like, oh, you know, Dewan Jones or 
uh, Darnell Wright, like in the draft, like they are only tackles. I'm like, great. Like do that, <laughs> you know, like, because you need a guy like that. Now, you know, even Sam Cosby, like we always thought he'd be better or I always thought he'd be better at guard and guys I talked to early always thought he'd be better at guard. And so you've done a good job of finding people with position flex, but you haven't done a good job of finding tackles, guys that are just good tackles. So can you do that in this draft or can you do this in the, in the free agency period? That's my challenge. Center, you know, we talked about the Chris Paul thing on the other side there. I think that, well, I don't love that. I'm okay with that. So maybe it's two positions. Maybe it's re-signing Norwell to kind of a vet minimum deal, elevating Chris Paul to the starter, finding a center, and then finding a tackle. That's kind of what I would think is, is going on in this free agent period. Free agent yeah. to draft period. One thing that I thought was interesting, um, Sam Fortier was on Kimes Pod. Now we're just plugging Kimes yeah. Pod. Well, Welcome, we should John. plug it. Yeah, it's good. Good stuff it's, over there. It's good. It's good. It's fantastic. I don't even know why I said that like, like I was yeah, reluctant. It's upset. fantastic. I listen, we I all, listen all the time. We do. Uh, I just We're giving him a lot of free pop. But Sam Fortier... <laughs> Uh, mentioned something on his on John's pod that I thought was really smart as well, which is Bienemy's kind of had a type at each position. Yeah, and so when it comes to offensive line, like those bigger tackles is kind of where he's been. They've always been like six five, yeah, and the guards are always like six two to six three. Yeah. And the center is a very specific body type, so making sure that they have the guys that they want that they to want. run Bienemy's system is going to be interesting. Do, like Chris Paul's a mountain of a man. Does he fit? what the enemy wants does Cosme fit better at guard or tackle based off what the enemy wants. And so those are the things that they're obviously have been working through the past couple of weeks since EB got in place, like looking over their own roster to make decisions. Uh, But ultimately like whether it's in house or out of house uh, and whether that's draft or free agency, like they've got to fill three positions. The idea that they could do something in free agency and then also the draft is certainly on the table. Right. Um, I think that's what will happen. I've always thought that that's how it's going to go. Like there's no reason that you have to do all of one or all of the other. Um, In fact, it makes sense to use some of your resources in either scenario um, or down either path. Then the other thing is linebacker. And this is where the, the pain deal is huge. Like you might now be able to spend a little bit more on linebacker than you thought. Yeah. Um, so if you want to go after a, a, not, not necessarily a top, like you're not getting Tremaine Edmonds, but if you want to get a top of the second tier type of guy and be a little bit more aggressive, maybe even a slight overpay, like a million a year overpay to make sure that you get your guy that's now on the table because Payne's number where you thought it might be 18 because he's playing on the tag. It's 10. Yeah. Like that's huge. And then obviously the other big thing that we talked about earlier is like, can you extend like Jeremy Reeves should get done. I would be surprised if it's not done by the end of the week. True. Um, you know, cam curl, same thing. Uh, can you not necessarily by the end of the week, but like you can get him done now in terms of an extension. So there's just a lot of stuff. And it, if they really want to get crazy, like we said, they could extend sweat if they, if they all of a sudden find themselves with the cap space, so there, there's a lot of stuff they can do. I think they'll probably like the sweat thing seems like they're not that they wouldn't. They would just wait till next year yeah. and keep some of the flexibility. But they now have the room to do all of that stuff and and make some moves and they're not really constrained. So um, and like you said, they also have the potential to, to fill a lot of this stuff in the draft where the draft is kind of deep at the right positions. For, yeah. Right positions for them. And the other thing is I wanted to bring up was like Cole Holcomb, right? Did he, yeah. I heard that he's there a little bit off in terms of number, but maybe this gives you some, some flexibility with that, right? You say, Oh, we can give him an extra $200,000 to get what we need to get done here. And we feel good about it. So something to, and again, like 
because this this ten million dollar number all of a sudden gives you a lot of flexibility to do stuff that seemed restrictive before. So I think that's kind of what we want to point out. Are they going to resign Cole? I have no idea. But does this make it easier to do that? Yes. Does it make it easier to sign Jeremy? Yes. All of those things are true. It's just about can they get it done in a timely fashion at, at numbers that work for them and work for the team. So um, if they don't resign those guys, it's because they were too far off and they couldn't get it done. But they will sign somebody at those spots. I guess is my point. All right. Uh, last, uh, Dean just put one in too that I'll touch on briefly. But Nick says, can we finally admit that John Allen and Deron Payne fighting on the sideline was a product of the situation and not the project itself? These guys wouldn't want to be here if they didn't believe in Ron. I'm not sure those two statements necessarily connect. Yeah. Um, but I do think that that was something that was a little bit overblown and, in terms of people being like, I don't know. They can't sign both of them. Like, it's football. It's a violent game. It's not pretty, but dudes fight. Um, it's very rare they do it on the sideline. I think that was there was a lot happening there last season was or two seasons ago now was was a bit of a mess at the time that that was happening. Um, incredibly high stress and it, like they're they're grown folks. They're fine. And I do think though that like is there a belief in Ron in general? Yes. I don't think the fight has anything to do with it. But I think in terms of signing long term. Mostly it's like they gave him a bunch of money uh, as incumbents. And that's kind of how how the league works. Um, (laughs) But very clearly, it's not like either one of them said, hey, I got to get out of here. Right. Um, Which which is nice. I don't mean to say that to like take a shot at Ryan because that's not what I mean. It's just like this kind of how business is done. Sure. I I think more than anything else. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think like money talks, they paid him. Like, I don't care like how I feel about a situation unless I'm really upset. If someone gives me a lot of money, I'm going to be like, I'm going to feel pretty good about being here because they want me like I can make this work regardless of the leadership structure. And and to be fair, like the fight thing, I think, like you said, like that was a very tough deal emotionally for pain. I think like he was in a contract year. It wasn't going as well as he wanted. John had just gotten paid. Like there's a lot of emotions going on there. And I would imagine that that is probably one of the reasons why they're having a little bit of friction. And I think that's going to be less now because they've both been paid. You know what I mean? Like it just, it's, everything's going to kind of chill out. So I do think it's, it's reasonable. He's a human being. He's probably a lot of emotion and stress. I think that was, was that the COVID year too? Like a lot of stuff Uh, going on. It was like the second COVID year, right? Right. So it's like people were back, but like that was the year that they got really messed up by COVID. Like that Dallas game was when they were getting crushed when half the roster felt like it was out. And I, and like just talking with guys, you know, like that was extremely stressful. Like that whole year was stress. So I think that's more of like looking at that specific year and saying that's why they got in a fight. Um, and I'm sure they've resolved that. You know, they're adults, they're grown men, like you said, they figured it out. Um, but I do think money talks. You're here, everyone's happy now. And I don't think anyone has any major reason to be upset. So um, I think everything's going to be fine with them moving forward. And, you know, whether it's an endorsement of Ron or not, like they're going to be happy football players. Definitely. All right. Last one. I'll just do this one real quick because this is more my department. Sure. Uh, Dean says, touch on the rumor that Bezos signed a confidentiality agreement. Um, pretty simple. Money talks. Economics talk. Uh, Jeff Bezos is the guy who's going to bid the most money uh, for this team. I don't know whether he's going to go high enough. Like if it's close, he's not going to get it um, because there is mm. real dislike for him by the Snyder family. Uh, depending on who you ask, that li- that dislike might even be coming more from Tanya than it is from Dan um, because of, you know, what 
quote unquote, the Washington Post has put their family through. Now, uh, I think it's worth pointing out in the uh, objectivity department that uh, Dan's actions and the actions of the organization over the course of the years that were reported on as factual uh, and things that were factual or why they've had to go through this, not because the Washington Post like made it up and put it out there. Republishing facts is is you know, that's what, that's what journalism is. So that's, that being said, like Tanya still didn't like it. Um, and Dan didn't like it. So if they think that Bezos, whether he was directly involved for whatever, some nefarious reason, or just, he happens to be the owner of the paper that did it, they, they're, they the dislike there is real. With that said, if he comes in a half a billion dollars over every other bid, I think they'll probably take his money because they would be crazy not to. And I think there would be pressure from the league, maybe not officially, but like other owners would be like, Hey, you know, Jerry would be like, Hey man, like, can you, uh, can you take that? That's good for everyone else's franchise value. Yeah. So it's just another step, um, that I think ultimately leads to the inevitable, which is that Bezos is allowed to bid. I don't know whether he'll go there and like, will he bid against himself, so to speak, and, and go as high enough to beat out Josh Harris and Mitchell rails or Tillman Fertitta or whoever else is the, the two bidders we don't know about. I don't know, but I, the idea that he was going to be barred forever from this process to me just never seemed to make sense because why would you bar the richest guy from bidding on something where you're trying to get money for? So anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, I'm like, my whole thought on this is like, we'll find out when we find out, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, these guys are got a lot of money, you know, like all these perceived slights and dramas, like, like we talked about with Duran, if you put a lot of money out there, like it's going to happen. So we'll see. Yeah. That's kind of, I'm just waiting until, uh, till we get something a little bit more definitive, but yeah, I agree with everything you said. No doubt. All right. Uh, that's Logan. You can follow him on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson 82. Make sure you check out command center, uh, on YouTube for his segment with Deron Payne a little later. By the time this comes out, there's a chance that is up. Uh, if not refresh later, it'll be up. Later. Uh, as for me, I'll be on the radio, uh, later today, Michael Phillips going to join me. Uh, if you're listening to this after the show on Monday, go back on the rewind feature on the Odyssey app and you can check out my chat with Michael. Uh, we'll obviously have the latest as the tampering period opens at noon today. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of the pod. We will see you guys later in the week. Uh, if there's any kind of breaking news, we'll have Logan on the radio as well to react to that and put it in the Take Command feed as a bonus segment. So keep your eyes and ears peeled. Also, why you definitely should subscribe. All right, that's it. We're done talking. See you.